want you to go in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We're in a series uh, called Overbooked. Overbooked, we've been talking about the Christmas uh, story. Luke chapter 2, verse 6. It says, and while they were there, Mary and Joseph, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn. Everybody say firstborn. This is going to be important for our message today. Her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. There was no room. We, talk, we talked about this last week. What a travesty to have the Savior of the world at your doorstep and to have no room. To have no space for the King of kings and Lord of lords, for the Prince of peace, for the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. Now, obviously, this poor innkeeper didn't know that it was Jesus, but he, he was at capacity. And, and this is the truth for many of us. We are overworked. We're overbooked. We have no margin for anything in our life. We run a lot of times with anxiety, high levels of anxiety, high levels of stress, trying to do the right thing, go to the right place, get the right present, all of the things. And, and I want to tell you this, is that if you don't have room for God, in the midst of craziness, there will be no peace in the craziness. I, I cannot guarantee that you won't ever be busy or won't be stressed, but I can guarantee you this. If Christ is at the center, you can have peace in the midst of the craziness. You can have craziness and try to find peace, or you can have peace in the midst of the, of the craziness. I, I was looking back at, at previous uh, Christmas series that I've done uh, over the years. I've preached a lot of Christmas series now, and uh, so I was going through all of them. One of, one of my first Christmas series, I found the title, and, it, and it's, it's really embarrassing because kind of when you're in youth ministry, you know, you're trying to find like the edgy title, and, and uh, you're trying to do these things, and, and so I thought this was, this was perfect. We're talking about the sacrifice of Jesus, and he washes our sins white as snow. I'm like, that's it. That's my series title, White as Snow. And this is a little while ago when hashtags were a big deal and things could trend on, on Twitter. And so we, 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 we just put, used the hashtag, White as Snow. Now, if you actually spelled that out in a hashtag, you would see something different than White as Snow, something that you don't really want a bunch of teenagers searching or hashtagging, all right? Apparently, that is a hashtag. Don't go search it. It's not friendly for you. But it was one of my first, it was one of my, my first Christmas series. And, and I, I've been thinking all this week about the, the, the power of what some of you are like, what? It's okay. That's good. You are innocent. It's beautiful. I love it. I, I've been thinking about the power of first. If you, if you look at scripture, there's a scripture interpretation uh, principle that is called the law of first mention. It means that when something is mentioned in scripture, it sets an irreversible precedent for an interpretation throughout the rest of scripture. So we see this all throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, that when, when the Lord introduces something in scripture, it gives us an idea. When it's repeated, we see the same meaning or the same interpretation. But the precedent is set by the first. So the first is really important. In this story, it says that Mary and Joseph were there at the inn. There was no room for them, no space for them. And she was about to give birth to her firstborn child. So there, there, there's, a, there's a, a, a precedent in scripture regarding the first. 
Now, when they came to the inn, there was no room. And I started thinking about this. If they would have been there first, there would have been space. The reason that there was no room in the inn is because someone else got there before them. If they would have been first, it wasn't that the inn didn't have rooms. It didn't, it's not that the room didn't have space. It's that the space was filled by the people who got there first. So I started thinking about this is, is that, that Jesus can't be a, a, a visitor at our house and not be first. If you're not careful, you will fill your life with everything that is not God, so much so that you have no room for God. God has to be at the center or at the, he's got to be the first in our life. Our lives work when he's first. You, you know, we, we have a world that's searching for fulfillment or happiness, satisfaction, peace, joy, contentment. And I tell you this, and many of you know this, you won't find it. You will not find it in this world outside of God being first. God doesn't work as second. He doesn't work as third. He doesn't work as fifth. He doesn't work as a byproduct, an appetizer, an afterthought. God works as first. That's why some people say, I've tried God, and he didn't do anything for me. No, you've tried God as a second or a third. You've never tried God as a first. Because when he's first, he changes everything. The, the joy that lasts in the midst of chaos or craziness is the joy that's found in Christ. In fact, Psalm 16 says that, the, that, that joy is found in the presence of God. It's found in the, in the presence of God. First things first. In writing, you understand that the first paragraph is crucial to grab the attention of the reader. In manufacturing, there's a principle called first time right. It emphasizes the importance of getting things right from the very beginning to set a pattern or precedent of excellence. In time management, they encourage you to tackle the most important thing first and then everything else. You ever have those tasks, like the one thing you don't want to do is the most important, and you're like, I think I'm going to do this and this and this. That thing doesn't get done, right? Time management is I got to take the big thing first, and I got to get it out of the way so that I can then move on to less important things. In family, you might have heard someone say this, family first. Family first. What does first mean? First is actually synonymous with best, right? If you're the best at something, you get first place. So, so we see this, this connection that the things that are first in our lives are honestly the things that we are deciding are best in our life. If you're in conversation, someone might not think that, but you're proven true in your priorities by where you spend your money, where you spend your time, and what you prioritize as a value. So you may say God's number one, but if you never spend time with God, he's not number one. You'll find out what's best or first in your life by what you give to. If you look at your calendar or you look at your bank account, you find out real quickly who's first. Some of you are like, oh man, I'm, I'm guilt, guilty as charged. It's like Bass Pro Shop. It's like, yeah, that's, that's it. It's like, that's what you love. That's what you think is best. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, but seek first, not second. Not for, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, this is really interesting because in this passage of Scripture, Mark chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, it's talking about material possessions. So a lot of people think like, yeah, seek first his kingdom, and then like, 
in heaven, you're going to get all this, or in heaven, he's going to bless you. On the other side, brother, there's peace on the other side. This scripture is actually talking about material possessions in this life. He says, just before this, he says, don't worry about what you eat or drink or what you wear. So this is the context of actually our needs. So in context of needs, the writer says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, there, and then he says, and then all of these things. What things? Food, shelter, food, uh, dr- uh, clothes, what you drink, what you eat. All this will be added to you as well. Then and only then. So this is what happens is that when I operate as God in the first position, it unlocks his blessing on the rest. You want to live a blessed life? Then you got to put him first. You want God's blessing and favor on your decisions, on what you do, on how you live, on your home, on your family? Then you have to put him first. Because the principle of the first is that when he's in his rightful place, he commands a blessing. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 1, this is where some of these first things are just being established in Scripture. Exodus 13, verse 1 says, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate, set apart for me, every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites, belongs to me, whether human or animal. The Scripture is saying, whatever is first that comes from you, it doesn't say give it to God. It says it belongs to God. That's, that's what it says. It says among the Israelites, it be, this is why when we tithe, we don't say that we're giving God our tithe. We bring our tithe to the storehouse because we're returning to God what's already his because the first belongs to God. The first of your life, the first of your time, the first of what you do, the first and best belongs to God. Exodus chapter 13 verse 12, a couple verses later, it says, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong, here it is again, they belong to the Lord. What you see, when you see the first as belonging, it will change the way you use it or spend it. When you see that like the best of my time is God's, it belongs to him. He's granted me breath on this planet. And so the first of my time and my breath, it belongs to God. As soon as you see your life as belonging to him, it changes the way you use it. You hear people say all the time, well, it's my life. I'll make my decisions. I'll live. It's not. That's why you're not happy. That's why you cry yourself to sleep. That's why you're always anxious. Because as long as your life is yours, then you rely on you to be happy. As soon as you make God first, he says, now I'm going to bless your life. Now I'm going to allow you. I'm not going to take away the problems, but in the midst of the problems, I'm going to allow you to have a place of peace or a place of joy so that you're not shaken by things or people that don't have me in the first position. First things first. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops, this is talking in the context of agriculture, so you could say it this way, with the first fruits of all of your increase, then your barns, you could say this, first fruits of all of your income, the things that are coming to you, first fruits of all your, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Verse 10, there's, there's this like, this conditional word, it's, it's then, 
So everyone's like, man, I want God to bless me. I want my barns to be overflowing, my vats to brim over with new wine. Some loud amens for that one. It says, then, well, how do I get that? Only by giving God the first fruits. When he's first, he unlocks blessing on the rest. There's a story in Scripture in Genesis, all the way, first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 4, about Cain and Abel. And so some of you remember this scripture in the Old Testament, Cain and Abel. And um, I, I was actually, I was giving Jamie, a, my wife, a pop quiz before I came out to preach this morning. And uh, so I said, why do you think that God didn't receive Cain's sacrifice? Because this is a story is that Cain and Abel both bring offerings to God. God accepts Abel's, but he doesn't accept Cain's. Then Cain gets mad and then Cain kills Abel. That's the story. It's, Old Testament is wild. So I, I, gave her a, I gave her a trick question. I said, why do you think that God didn't accept Cain's offering? And she goes, oh, that's one of my favorite answers. She's just resident theologian here. She says, that's one of my favorite answers. She says, because there was no blood. I thought, oh, that was not my answer, but that one's better. Now i got to change my whole message. Be, because th- th- this is the answer to that question. Cain brought produce. He brought harvest, but there was no blood. There is, a, there is a redemptive thread all throughout Scripture that represents the blood of Jesus, which means this, there is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. That's why in the Old Testament there were sacrifices, and that's why in the New Testament there was a sacrifice. The firstborn of Mary, the first Jesus that died, shed his blood for our forgiveness of our sins. So what Jamie was saying is exactly right and better than my answer because Cain brought what was natural. Abel brought something that represented a shedding or a a shedding of blood. Now, here's the second answer. This is the one I was hoping she'd get, but she gave me the better one. The other reason that God didn't accept his offering was because Cain gave some of his harvest. That's what it said. He gave some. Abel gave some of his first fruits. What's the difference? First. First. God received the offering because it was first. See, some of us are like, man, I think God's like pretty high on the priority list. I think I have him like at three or two, possibly on a good day when I really need him. God doesn't work in any other place except one. He, 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 he doesn't fit in any other place except first place. If he's not in first place, you don't get the benefits of putting him in first place because he's not there. He's got to be in the first place to release blessing and favor on your life. So he accepted Abel's offering because it was part of his first. He gave the first fruits. It's not that God wouldn't accept Cain's offering. It's that he couldn't. So it wasn't like Cain brought his offering and God's like, man, Cain, seriously? Corn on the cob? Whatever he brought, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why that came in my head. I didn't say that at the other service, corn on the cob. I'm hungry or something. It wasn't that he didn't like what the sacrifice was. He couldn't. He may have loved Cain, but he couldn't receive something from him that wasn't first. Because the only way for him to release a blessing on him was for it to be the first. See, see this, is, this is the only way that you get the favor, the blessing of God on your life is 
to make him and to put him in that number one place. That everything flows through him. That he's not just an addition to your life, he becomes your life. Songs about Christ at the center of your life. So I started thinking about, okay, if, if we're going to make room, if we're, gonna, if we're not going to be overbooked, if we're going to have space for God in our life, if, if God's going to show up at the doorstep of your heart and there's going to be room there, how, how do you do it? How do you create this type of space? I'm going to give you a couple of things. Number one is that he has to be first in love. So simple, so practical, but so often overlooked. He has to be first in love. You know it's one of the Ten Commandments? Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. Can I put it in, a, in, in my own translation? I have to be first. That's, that's what he's saying. Is I got to be number one. It's not that God is egocentric and he like has to be number one because he gets insecure if he's not. He has to be number one because he loves you so much that it's the only way that you can have the life that he's promised you to have is if he's in the right position and if he's first. If he's not first, he can't bless you. So he says, and in fact, the scripture goes on and says, I am the Lord your God and I am a jealous God. I don't know if anybody like back in your, your dating days had like a jealous boyfriend or girlfriend. Like that's not fun. When I first read that, I was like, I don't want to see God as jealous. Like that seems clingy. That seems like not fun. That seems like I can't do the stuff I want to do. Like I, 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 don't, I don't like to think of God that way. But you have to think of it different. You, you have to understand that the reason he's jealous for your love, for your affection, is he is unable to fulfill your heart's desires if he's not in the first place. So many people want God's blessings, but they don't want to put him in first place. I want God's miracles, and I want God's prosperity and abundance, and I want God's miracle, like healings, but, I, but I, I'm not willing to put him in, as number one. No, it's, that's why he's jealous for your affection. It's because you have to have him in the first place so that he can release his blessing in your life. The second one is this. He has to be first in money. Uh, pretty good response. I was seeing how quiet it got. It, it, other services got a little quieter, so you're doing all right. First in money. Now, when you talk about the principle of the first, most people talk about the tithe. That the tithe is 10% of our increase that we give to the Lord. So when we get paid, we bring 10%. We give to the house of God. That's what we do before we pay any bills, before we buy any Christmas presents, before we pay our mortgage. We give. And the reason we do that is because when we give first, it says, God, we trust you. When you give last, it's called a tip. So when you go to a restaurant, you eat, and there's pretty good service, and you leave a tip, that's what most of us do to God. God, you've done pretty good today. Good service. I like the songs. A little Christmas carol in there, mixed in. Mm, pretty good. I'll give you a tip. I had a bonus at work. That's great. I'll get, I think I'll give you a little tip. It's been a good year. I'll give you a, a tip. God doesn't want a tip. Why doesn't God want a tip? Think about this for a second. He doesn't want a tip... Because a tip is not what's needed for him. Because money is not really what God's after. He's actually after your heart. And he's after the faith that it takes to say, God, I trust you. 
Think about this. Go to a restaurant this afternoon and tip before you're waited on. Like, no way. I'm, I'm, whoa, hold on. I got, what if they never take my order? Right? It, it takes trust to give before you see. That's, a, that's exactly what the tithe is. The, the reason that it ha- he has to be first in money is because Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is why many of us have a hard time even talking about money is because that's where our heart is. It, you, want, you want your heart to be somewhere? Put your money in it. You want your heart to be in a stock? Buy it. Don't watch it. Buy it. Put your money there. Put your treasure is. All of a sudden, you'll care. You, 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 want your, you, want your heart to be, you want your heart to be in sports? Put your kids in club sports. Right? Now all your treasure's going there, your heart's there, you're invested. Now you're like, man, only two practices a week, I'm paying for this, right? Now you care. You didn't care before. When it was wrecked, you're like, please don't practice. I just want to be at home. But now it's like, I'm paying for this. I want more games. My kid to do better, right? Because wherever you put your treasure, now your heart is there. So, so Jesus is trying to help us say that if you put your treasure in my kingdom, if you put your money in the house of God, now you're, you want your heart to be in the house of God? You want your heart to be with the people of God? You want your heart to be for the kingdom? Put your treasure there. Put your, put your treasure there. So the, the, the reason today that we're not just talking about money is because the principle of the first gets lost in the definition of money. When we say, oh, it's the first, the tithe, everyone's like, oh, it's the money. It's, no, actually, it's the love. See, the principle of the first is not just about money. It's about the love. It's about money as well because treasure grabs our heart in different ways. And this is, I heard Robert Morris say this years ago. I thought it was so good. He says, you will either serve God and use money or you will serve money and use God. You will either serve God and use money or you will serve money. This is where many of us are. We will serve money and use God. God, please help. He, please provide. Please, whatever. If you would put God first, he could release blessing on your life. Well, pastor, I don't give. I don't give to get a blessing. That's fine. Just be obedient and put him first. If you don't care about I care about the blessing personally. I'm just that selfish. So, but if you don't want it, no problem, but just still put him first because the only way that God can release his, his favor, his blessing on your life is when he's in the right position. Let me tell you something tithing does. Tithing breaks the curse of the world. It breaks the curse of the world. Now, before you get offended, a couple years ago, I was actually doing a series on, on money and I said this. I said, tithing breaks the curse of the world and I got an email the next day. These emails are amazing. I'm gonna make a book someday, like, for, of all the, all the emails. And, and it's, it, he says, he says I, I want you to stop preaching about how I'm cursed because I don't tithe. I'm like, well, first of all, I didn't really say that. The Bible said that. Right, so just, we'll get that out of the way. But let me help you with what cursing is. When we think cursed, we think of like sorcerers, like casting spells. All right, that's not cursed. I was asking my boys this. So even, even a 10-year-old got this, so I think you can catch this. What's the opposite of blessing? Curse. What's the opposite of being cursed then? Being blessed. So if I'm not blessed, what am I? Oh, see? So it's not that you are like demon-possessed, right? It's that I'm not blessed. And God says to be blessed 
then you have to put me first. You, you got to put me first. And when I'm in the first position, I can release blessing on your life. So first in love, first in money, in finances, but we're not done. This one even sometimes is more difficult than money. First in time. Time. Because it's like God's out there and I'm here. I'm just trying to get by. I'm trying to make it. Pastor, you don't know how busy I am. No, I, I, I get it. But I also understand how unhappy we can be. How much we can struggle. The voids that we live with outside of God or outside of Him in that first place. First in time. First in time. You make time for what you value. Isn't that the truth? You make, you make time for what you value. You think, man, I don't have any more time. And then all of a sudden you sign up for something else and it's like, all of a sudden you show up for it. You, you made time. Many of you have probably seen this. There is a, there's an illustration people use for time management. And, um, and, and it's an example of like di putting different priorities in a jar. You've ever heard of that? You, I, we have a graphic for you uh, on, on the screen. So it's basically that if you have the same size jar and the same elements that go in that jar, you've got sand, you've got pebbles, you've got larger rocks. If you put the sand or the pebbles first, there is no way that those rocks will fit. You can't make, if you intermix them, if you intermingle them, there's no way it fits. The only way it works is if you put the large rocks first and then everything else fills in around. And if you do it in the right priority, it will actually fit, which is crazy. This is what we're talking about today. You know the Bible says that God is the rock that's higher than I. I love that thought. He's the rock, the refuge, the strength, the shelter, the salvation. He's your help. That, that's bigger, higher, stronger than I am. And the only way I can fit all of the things, the only way I cannot be overbooked is if I put the big rock first. If I got the big rock in first, everything else is going to fit. The reason you are over, over maxed, overworked, stressed out, anxious, overflowing in all the wrong ways is because you got the wrong things first. When you get the large rock Jesus at the center of everything else, then every other thing will fit around that and it will work. People look at your life, how do you do? Actually, I had somebody ask me just the other day. They said, Pastor, how do you do all the things that you do? How do you do all the things like speak at all the places and, and all the ministries and all the stuff that we're doing? How do you do all that? There's only one way that I can do all that. It's I have to get the main thing first. And if I have that first, everything else flows out of that. It's amazing what you can fit in your life when you make and you put him at the center. Let me close with this story. I, I love this story. First Kings chapter 17 there's a story of a widow, and uh, she. there's a drought in the land. There's been a drought for almost three years, and they are on their last resources, last resources. And uh, she's really planning to make uh, a meal and then die. The prophet of God shows up, Elijah. Elijah shows up, and uh, they begin to have this conversation. We'll pick up the story here, 1 Kings 17, verse 10. It says, so he went to Zarephath, that's where she lived, 
When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Verse 12 says, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Now check this out. Don't be spiritual. Actually look at this. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid you're on your last meal. You're about to cook it and die. Don't be afraid. Just go home and do as you've said. But first, everybody say first. Make me a small loaf of bread. Are you tracking the story? She's going to make a meal and die. Limited resource. And Elijah's like, hey, don't be afraid. On your way back, do you mind making me bread first? That would be offensive, just in case you're wondering. Like, uh, no, we're making this and dying. Now you're trying to, he says, make something bring, and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. He's saying, if you give me something first, if you trust me to put me first, see what happens. A couple verses later, verse 15, it says, she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. This woman lived off the leftovers for the rest of her life and was better off than what she was before. So she gave him the first and God blessed what she had left. God's super came on her natural and supernaturally God provided for Elijah and for her and her family for the rest of her life. What did she do? She trusted God with her first with her first. When Jesus was about to be born and Mary and Joseph come to the inn and they say there's no room, there's no room in the inn. It says that Mary was pregnant with her first born son. Did you know, and this is the gospel, this is beautiful, no matter what you've done, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter if you cursed God, ran from God, never even believed in God when God gave his first and his best so God didn't just tell you to do it he modeled it John 3:16 says for God so loved the world me and you that he gave his only begotten son he get he sowed he returned his only son and when Jesus died he was crucified, he bled, he died, he rose again. That sacrifice is what allows the blessing of God to come on me. What does that mean? The Bible says whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That doesn't happen because you're good. That happens because he's good. That doesn't happen because you earned it. That doesn't happen because you reach some status where he says now you can be saved. That only happens. God's blessing on our life. God's forgiveness for our sins, for our doubts, for our confusion. God's forgiveness only happens because God gave his first and God gave his best. 
You know what Christmas is really about? Christmas is really about God giving the best present that's ever been given in, the, in his son Jesus so that you, could get, you and I could have forgiveness of our sins, could have peace that lasts, joy that lasts, eternal life, that we could be a new creation. Man, I want all that, Pastor. Well, the only way you get that is you do what he did. And so you give God your first and your best.